This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. It's 2018. Eminem still rapping. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard, and I am strapping. You're what? Trapping? Strapping, strapping. strapping. Oh, strap. Strapping strap, what? what? What do you mean? What do you, are you Stra- strapped? <laughs> strappingly handsome, beloved. No, you said you're strapped. What's going on? Let your voice be heard. Or I guess people listening on the radio. And what's up, Facebook Live? We are back for another great show. Selena, what are we doing today? Well, number one, I want to say welcome, everyone, to Let Your Voice Be Heard. This is a show where we talk politics, foreign policy, and social issues from a diverse millennial perspective. Happy 2018. We have a very big announcement. Okay, so for the last five years, no, going on six, um, we've been here at WATR, and we've had a two-hour show that has been voluntarily cut down to one hour. Voluntarily I, meaning our choice. Yes, that's what that <laughs> means. Yeah, because I don't want people to be like, oh, shoot, they cutting them down. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so um, that means Let Your Voice Be Heard will now only be uh, recorded live on WATR from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. noon Eastern Time. So it's just one hour of Stanley bragging about how handsome he is and saying other fake news and lies. And we talk about Trump and other stuff. You know what's crazy? When you said 11 a.m., my mind automatically said 1 p.m. It's me too! So I'm glad. You see, something still violent. That's one thing I'm sorry. The show. She is still aggressively violent and a bully. <laughs> but yeah, guys. We are cut down to one hour, which means you have to get used to doing things very quickly. I'm very good at that, but you will learn soon. Is that what Marilyn said? Oh, yeah. Oh! Got to bring the heat from the beginning. Listen, this is a race, man. You got to catch up, okay? (laughs) All right, guys. So, welcome to the show. My name is Selena Hill. Um, You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Selena Hill. And Miss is spelled with an M-S. And I am Alyssa Fuchs, uh, formerly your legal correspondent. But what do you mean by formerly? Well, I mean, I'm still your legal correspondent, but, you know, since we're not going to have a two-hour show anymore, we won't have, like, the formal uh, legal quickies. But that doesn't mean that I won't be breaking down legal stuff to you. We'll, we'll definitely incorporate uh, some of the elements of our old show into the new show. Uh, and so if there's a legal issue that needs to be broken down, you better believe I'm going to be the one that is going to be here to do it. Um, so you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs, that's Alyssa with an I, or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, uh, also with an I, or you can leave a comment or hate on the, uh, you know, hate mail, you know, whatever you feel like it, on the Politically Preposterous fan page, or of course on the Let Your Voice Be Heard radio Facebook live stream, uh, which you can find at facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard. Stanley? Listen. Alyssa will find any way and anything to break down legally. She could break down legally the word break down legally if she really wanted to. (laughs) So don't have any doubts that she's going to break things down legally. But as for me, I'm still here just 60 minutes faster. And you can follow me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can follow me on Facebook at Stanley Fritz. You can follow me on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle. And, of course, on Instagram where I have been posting more frequently. Why? I noticed that. Yeah, Stanley, why are you on Instagram all of a sudden? I don't have any particular reason, actually, except for... um, so Marilyn and I cleaned the other day. Cleaned what? My my apartment. And we um we reorganized my bookshelf and I was feeling really good about it. So I took a picture of my bookshelf and I realized that ninety percent of the books that are on my bookshelf I have actually read. Wow. Ninety percent of the books on my bookshelf I have not read, but keep going, Stanley. This is why I didn't waste any time <laughs> trying to get you the fire and fury book like I did to Jackie. Yo, Stanley, I want that book so badly. You gifted she, that to she Jackie. She wants the book. Are you kidding well, me? I lent her a book that I still haven't gotten back because she I'm hasn't finished done. reading it. No, and I you gave gifted her a book that, that to that she Jackie. Has never read. 
Are you kidding me? You know, I put on Twitter that I want the book. Oh, we're going to have a Selena Jackie war, like a Trump Bannon war. Honestly, Selena, I would give you the book, but you're not going to read it. Yes, I am, Stanley. Have you read The Alchemist? I yes, I'm reading it right now as we speak. How far into it are you? I forgot which page. Two. Anyway, anyway, guys. When I asked I'll her two weeks ago, she said I'm I'm into it. I started. I said, how many pages did you read? She was like, the introduction. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. But guys, I'm definitely getting fire and furious. And speaking of that, um, that leads us to today's show. We're going to be talking about some of the craziness that happened this first week in 2018 and of course we're starting off talking about steve bannon's war against donald trump over the book fire and fury i mean i read the i read the excerpt from the book it was the best piece of literature that i read all year i Which know we're one? only on day seven the i know that gorilla tv wasn't real i know that stanley okay, but that was story. hilarious so I was just like, yeah, so I think I'm going to get this book. I'll probably just pay for it myself because no one wants to gift it to me. And I never read it. <laughs> no, I'm definitely reading it. I was just too into it. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We'll get your questions, comments, and concerns that you can leave on our Facebook page. Uh, that's facebook.com slash let your voice be heard. You can also tweet us at be heard underscore radio. Or you can call us at 212 212- Six five zero six nine zero three. I was trying to do New Year, New Me, and she wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I definitely was not ready for you that. You know, speaking of New Year, New Me, so I saw this meme online. It was really funny. It was like, so you ever are driving on the highway and some idiot forgets that they're supposed to exit, and so they just sort of like try and veer off to the right, right? But like after they sort of pass the exit. Well, yeah, the that's me-, me. The meme, of course it is. The meme was like, the straight was like New Year, New Me, and then the exit was like... Um, New Year, same old ish, and the car was like trying to cut <laughs> off to go off the exit for New Year, same old ish. I thought it was really funny. Um, I would need to see that. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're jumping straight into this Bannon versus Trump war, and we'll see whose side everyone is on. Bannon's. This is let Just your voice kidding. be heard. Turn every situation into heaven. Selena won't read that book. <laughs> she didn't even read the Bible. Oh, she that's got not the true. audio version. She got the audible version that of the Bible. First, that all right. Number one, <laughs> not true. Number two, you know what? I'm finish gonna... this. Finish the sentence. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Oh, snap, Selena. Selena, know the B side prayers. Okay. <laughs> you got anyway. burned on that one, Stanley. Anyway, well, guys, you know who should start saying their prayers? Ooh. Donald Trump. All right, guys. So we're back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR. 90.3 FM. The Voice of Harlem. Selena got her Christian Mingle sweater on. This <laughs> is not a Christian Mingle sweater. Is that what it looks like? I actually did what wear this on a, a date. What is a Christian Mingle sweater? I did wear this sweater on a date before. Look, she's trying to find a husband in Christ. Look at this. <laughs> anyway, look. All right, so this is obviously the Make Fun of Selena show. Correct. <laughs> anyway, guys, we need to talk about Fire and Fury because... It is going to be my favorite book of 2018 because I am go- no one wants to gift it to me. It's all good. I put out a declaration on Twitter and no one responded. I will <laughs> buy it myself. Anyway. Don't you work for a publication? Two of them? <laughs> yeah. Let your voice be. Stop fanning into the mic, Selena. We can hear it. <laughs> she works for Black Enterprise and she owns Let Your Voice Be Heard and no one has sent her a book. We are not doing well. <laughs> I know. And I get, bu- I get books sent to me. That she doesn't read. Every No. I, so the last book I got sent to me was called How to Get a Degree in Celibacy. And I started reading that on Friday. <laughs> And you don't want to be made fun of this show. All right, let's move on. <laughs> it was on my Jackie saw it. It was on my Instagram story. You posted that? 
Yeah, I posted Yo, it. She proud. She proud. Don't oh. hate. Don't hate. That you guys like that is not even funny. Some people are at. Some people <laughs> um, are like aspiring to get a degree. I've been celibate for six hours. I'm with you. <laughs> anyway, so we're back. This is let your voice be heard. Uh, where we talk politics, foreign policy, social issues, and celibacy. Celibacy at times. Um, all right. So as I mentioned before, we went on break. We had a crazy first few days of 2018. We are currently on day seven and already experiencing a number of outrageous, explosive, and even scary events and news. In the past few days, we've seen Steve Bannon and Donald Trump go to war. Paul Manafort file a lawsuit against Robert Mueller. Donald Trump taunt North Korea dictator Kim Jong-un into a nuclear war with a penis joke. Uh, the DOJ rollback regulations that protected the sale of marijuana in states where it is legal. Shout out to California. And Dave Chappelle be trashed over his latest comedy routines. And the Clinton's house in Chappaqua get caught on fire. Yep. Did in it? Chappaqua. Yeah, I have a friend who lives in Chappaqua and um, it was big news there. What were they? They were burning the emails? <laughs> a little bit too late for that. Good one, Alyssa. Um, so, yeah, what a week and welcome to 2018. Hence why we named this show, What a Week and Welcome to 2018. So, obviously, there's a lot to talk about during this show. We will run through some of the most radical events that happened and what this will mean for the year ahead. We are going to talk about it all, starting with Bannon and Trump. So, uh, the book... That I cannot wait to order as soon as we are done with this show. It's called Fire and Fury. It's by Michael Wolf. It's basically a dishy tell-all that has sparked an all-out war between Trump and his former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, who is basically the man that helped him win the White House. So the book confirms all of the worst things we've ever thought about Donald Trump. It depicts him as um, a, a juvenile ignoramus driven by impulse, and basically it shows his staff is riven by incompetence and infighting. We didn't know that already? No, we knew this. Wow. These are all the things that we've been saying based on actual evidence uh, throughout 2017 and even during the campaign. So after a number of excerpts were released from the book, Bannon, who was, as we remember, was fired by Trump back in August. Uh, he was actually exiled from Trumpville. Um, Fox News trashed him. He may even be fired from the publication he heads, uh, Breitbart, Breitbart, Breitbart and Republican, a uh, billionaire Republican donor, Rebecca Mercer also says that uh, she is cutting ties and finances to Steve Bannon. So I wanted to just go over some of the excerpts in the books. And, you know, guys, feel free to tell us, you know, read your, your, your own favorites. But uh, at one point he called <clears throat> a meeting that was held back in June 2016 between a Russian lawyer, Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Banafort. He called it, an, he called it, and I quote, treasonous and unpatriotic. Um, he also said, and I quote, they're going to crack Don Jr. like an egg on national TV. Obviously, Bannon is referring to Russiagate. Uh, Steve Bannon also called Ivanka Trump dumb as a brick. And, uh, <laughs> and he, it, it, he said, um, it was, the book also says that Melania Trump cried on election night, just like we all did. Um, so <laughs> it, it was a, a, a lot of things that happened. Uh, in response, Donald Trump has tweeted, and I quote, that Bannon cried when he got fired and begged for his job. 
And that Michael Wolf is a total loser who made up stories in order to sell this really boring and untruthful book. First of all, this book is not boring. And he you didn't used read it. look that I from what I've the excerpt that I've read pretty is really, really good. And he um this is uh, I'm quoting Donald Trump again. He said he used sloppy Steve Bannon. Oh, uh, hold on, excuse me, guys. I read that part already. He says now sloppy Steve has been dumped like a dog by almost everyone. <laughs> too bad (laughs) and then yesterday morning saturday morning trump woke up and he basically um responded to some of the allegations in the book which that which questions his mental state and fitness for office so in response donald trump tweeted that he is and i'm quote like really smart and that he is (laughs) and i quote a very stable genius and I quote, okay, end quote there. And very, very stable genius was actually trending on Twitter. So there you have it. Donald Trump reactions. Um, so listen, you know, very stable genius is like the new I am not a crook, which is to say if you have to tell people that you are a very stable genius, you're probably not one. Uh, but on the Trump-Bannon feud, I mean, this is kind of one of those could have saw it coming, um, but sort of didn't. And on the other hand, it's like, Do you really want to agree with Bannon because, you know, I I so dislike him. But at the same time, I do find the entire thing hilarious that, you know, it's like this is just indicative of the bigger picture, which is Trump is so immature. He has no idea what he's doing. He's unprofessional. um, He has no experience. And, you know, basically the whole entire thing that's been going on since his election has been an ish show Um, since, you know, apparently the FCC still works so we still can't say those words on the radio um but you know this is what happens when you you know elect the clown you get the circus right well said stanley what was your reaction to the excerpts from the book i mean we we know this stuff but it's always funny funny and fun to get some shade room nonsense and i especially needed this when he was talking all spicy to north korea earlier in the week i know we'll probably get to that later so i won't go too deep into it but we get so much garbage from the Trump administration, from Republicans. I just wanted something that was going to embarrass him. And the way that he's, he riled up so fast, I knew it was going to be a fun read. I actually read the book. Um, I'm Yeah, I read it yesterday. On Kindle? Yes. Oh. Yes, it's only 300 pages. It's not that much. So I read the book. It's very interesting. Um, I get two senses from it. One, that he has to have embellished some. And two, Steve Bannon was his, was his direct source because so much of the book paints Bannon as like this really smart guy and Ivanka and Jared Kushner as really incompetent people that have really helped to push Trump towards his downfall. So I, that's what I got for the book. Well, but it was still a great read. It's like the shade room for white people. Well, one, one thing you said is that um, Michael Wolff may have embellished. Um, he has a number of salacious allegations in the book. His credibility is definitely being questioned from the left and the right. Uh, the question I have for you guys is, do you believe it all? Do you think that everything in this book is true? And if not, how do you differentiate between what's fact and what's fiction? So I think most of it is true. Other parts are parts of the truth, and it's, the rest of it is embellished a bit because most of these books tend to be that way. And you're not necessarily taking notes in the White House because people get paranoid. Uh, granted, that White House is a gross, aggressively incompetent. 
But they can't, maybe they can't actually crap. I mean, listen, he sort of said that he went there and just sort of hung around and talked to people and nobody stopped him. So I, I tend to believe that a good portion of the book is true. Now, I do think that this is a tendency or there is a tendency, I should say, to embellish certain details because it sells. Obviously, we know that. That's why yellow journalism was a thing from the beginning of time. Um, but there's sort of a common wisdom, at least when it comes to the law or a, a legal story in litigation, which is, you know, there's the plaintiff, ver- there's the plaintiff's version, there's the defendant's version, and the truth lies somewhere in in the middle of that. And so I, I think that's sort of where I fall, fall on this, which is, you know, the truth um, is probably somewhere in the middle of the details in this book. And, you know, the All fact right. that Trump denies everything, I don't know. Trump usually denies everything. I mean, you look at some of the things from the Mueller investigation that Trump's denied, and then they've been able to confirm them. So, you know. Yeah, well, we know he lies a lot. Stanley, you said something interesting. You said that uh, you wanted some. You wanted to see the Trump administration or Trump himself and his family be humiliated and embarrassed. Yeah. Is the existence of this book a good thing or a bad thing? It's a well, it's it's natural. This happened in the Obama administration. This happened in the Bush administration. These kind of books come out. So, it, I wouldn't say it's unnatural. It's a thing. It's just that this administration is so incompetent that what usually would be tea is like someone like doesn't like somebody in an Obama tell-all book or in a Bush tell-all book. In this book, it's like people didn't know if they can make it past week three. But is this good from a global perspective, a global stance? Should every other country see us for like the weaknesses? They have that- to deal with the president. They know already. There's, there's no secret. He, he tweets all the time. No one is confused about how stupid he is. Right. No, I mean, I agree. <laughs> like the foreign leaders already are looking at these tweets. I mean, we're going to, like you said, talk about the penis joke later on in the show. And foreign leaders see that. I mean, and children see that also for what it's worth. Um, But we're getting some comments here on Facebook Live that I'm going to read. So Kathy says the book just highlighted everything we already knew. Uh, And Linda says he can't even complete a sentence correctly. He needs to be impeached sooner than later. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it just, again, shows the incompetence. um, But that is stuff we already knew. But now it gives us a baseline to be like, it's not just incompetence. Like, look at the, the specific factual allegations in the book that literally prove the incompetence. So now right. we are getting corroboration of what we already know. Can I well, add one piece that I thought was interesting? So Jared Kushner's brother owns an insurance company that will go bank, probably go bankrupt to go out of business if they repeal Obamacare, and Kushner is still supporting the repeal. Oh, my that God. That was always a nice little tidbit in the book where I was like, hmm, that's stupid. <laughs> well, um, guys, so we spoke a lot about the book and, and also how Stanley says it um, highlights uh, Steve Bannon and, you know, makes him seem like, you know, really competent, really smart. And I guess someone who's just like pretty much a blabbermouth. But now he's sort of in this predicament where the right has turned on him, like which which baffles me, because if you think about it, Steve Bannon is an insider. Why wouldn't you trust his like perspective? Why wouldn't the right see like Donald? Why can't they see Donald Trump for what it for what he is? They do see him for what he is. I think you're you think point. you think that they you think that they they don't see him as grossly incompetent and stupid. They believe him when he says he's a genius, and they also say that he's very successful. Well, yes and no. There are certain you know the voters. Yes, there is a certain number of his base that are going to believe anything he says. Um, that are going to disbelieve Bannon, or they used to believe Bannon. But now Trump says that he's a sloppy guy and, you know, who lost his mind. So now they're going to believe Trump. I mean, there is a core of Trump supporters that no matter what comes out of Trump's mouth, whether it's the biggest lie ever or the biggest 
truth ever, they are going to think it is true. But the same cannot be said for necessarily establishment Republicans um, and you know, yes, some of them are going to back Trump no matter what, but we're sorting that starting to see this. Like, for example, the Orrin Hatch thing, which I know we wanted to get to talking about, which is Trump literally begged Orrin Hatch not to retire. Um, and Orrin Hatch was like, nope, I'm going to retire. And now who's probably going to run for that seat? Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, who's been a vocal critic of the Trump administration, who has essentially said, when it comes to the Trump administration, if there's stuff that I agree with in terms of policy, you know, I might support it. But the majority of the stuff that I'm hearing, I am not going to support. And I'm going to be a vocal opponent against Trump if I get elected to that seat. No, he's not. He's going to get on his knees like everyone else because he loves the policies. Well, we don't know that yet. We do because Donald Trump's policies have been strictly Republican. The policy, but I'm talking about like some of these crazy things. Like, He'll do what Paul Ryan does. I condemn this or act like he doesn't see it. Listen, he. the point is he's not Orrin Hatch, who has now gone from somebody who's a bipartisan person to totally capitulating to Donald Trump. And you know what? Maybe he is. I don't know. But I'll give the benefit of the doubt, at least for now, until I see it. Well, you know what? I would have gave Mitt Romney the benefit of the doubt, too, especially because he was a very vocal opponent of Donald Trump during the campaign. However, they had a 10-minute phone call, I think it was, last night, and they've been talking about some things. Um, apparently, some sources close to um, Donald Trump said that he the conversation ended with him wishing Mitt well. Um, and if he does decide to run and basically that leaves me with the impression of this is going to be politics as usual. I think that Mitt Romney, um, it would do him well if he did decide to rally up that never Trump Republican base and try to get some support there. However, I don't know how far he's going to go if he does join Congress. Well, I mean, listen, who knows? Maybe he could get Doug Jones because this is uh, ultimately what happened the last time this happened, which was Steve Bannon supported uh, the alleged pedophile Roy Moore and Donald Trump supported Luther Strange and Luther Strange lost the primary um, and then went on to, you know, Donald Trump's then candidate Roy Moore, because he then turned around and endorsed him, went on to lose to Doug Jones in a Republican state. So, you know, who knows? Utah is a pretty red state, but so is Alabama. And it could very well be that this could all blow back in Trump's face. So it may flip to the Democrats. You know what? Let's keep hope alive. I also want to read a comment. So Roland Michelle says, Selena, I'll gift you the book Fire and Fury in your face. Stanley, shout Roland, out to Roland. You're wasting your money, but go ahead. <laughs> Anyway, guys, I do want to keep things rolling along. Keep those comments coming on Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard. And feel free to give us a call at 212-650-6903. So we spoke a lot about Orrin Hatch, uh, obviously a lot about Fire and Fury, the book. Um, I think we did mention Paul Manafort a few times. And um, we need to actually talk about this lawsuit he filed against um Robert Mueller in the Russiagate. So we know that Robert, Robert Mueller is the special counsel leading uh, the probe into Russiagate. And instead of cooperating with Mueller, like George um, Papadopoulos has done and like Michael Flynn, uh, Paul Manafort decides, I'm going to fight against Mueller tooth and nail. And he's actually filed a lawsuit which... Uh, challenging Mueller's appointment and authority to indict him. I mean, listen, as somebody who files lawsuits regularly, I just think this is another tactic to discredit Robert Mueller and his investigation um, when clearly 
this investigation has not been fruitless. It has there has been two people that have pleaded guilty. There's been one person indicted. There may become more indictments. Papadopoulos probably was wearing a wire. So ultimately, this is like a, a, an interesting tactic because it's a defendant who is likely going to get convicted or more likely than not will get convicted because when the federal government comes for you, generally speaking, they get a conviction. Um, well, and he's now just trying to use this as a way to deflect the responsibility of what he did uh, uh, off of himself and onto Mueller. So, so I think it's going to be a, a total nothing burger. So there are basically no chances that Manafort will and can win this case. I, I don't think so. What do you think the chances are? Slim to none? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to confirm that. It's going to go nowhere, but he's gonna. it's confirmation bias for all the people on the right who love having sex with their cousins. Um, uh. yeah. <laughs> Well, Pretty much. I, I just wanted to get to a quick comment that we're getting. Catherine Ann says, people seem to have forgotten that Trump didn't win the majority vote. He is the reason we are trying to get rid of the electoral vote. Mm. I mean, so you yeah. got that. Good point there. Um, I know we're about to go on break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Donald Trump's taunt against North Korea. This time he decided to talk about his penis I mean, the, the size of his, his nuclear button. button is what it is there, guys. Don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Welcome back, FM people. Welcome back, Facebook Live people. Welcome back, people listening on the podcast, unless I cut this part of me introducing ourselves <laughs> out. I am here at Stanley Fritz with Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs. Jackie Cohen is eating California salads. Yeah, Jackie that's what they're is, calling them these days. Yeah, the Californian Cobb. I've actually ordered that at it different salads. It was a went over Selena's head. <laughs> no, no. Well, hey, I didn't know that. We're, we're going to talk about the marijuana thing later on in the segment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, gotcha. And and no, I was not implying that Jackie was doing that either. But it oh, was supposed to be a joke. You, all right. <laughs> That joke didn't land quite as we wanted. Okay, guys, so before we went on break, we were talking about uh, Donald Trump's tweets. Um, Well, he always tweets, right? We always talk about that. But I just wanted to update you guys. So uh, yesterday, which was Saturday, uh, he said at Camp David that he's open to talking with North Korean leader Kim Um, Jong-un. His comments come days after he tweeted a bombshell uh, on Tuesday when he said, and, and I quote, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un just stated that the nuclear button is on his desk at all times. Will someone from his depleted and food star regime please inform him that I, too, have a nuclear button that is much bigger and more powerful than powerful one than his and my button works. So, like. When I first saw the tweet, I was like, can he, he be more about, obvious? I thought he was talking about America when he said poor and food starved. I was like, yeah, that is us actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, listen, are we on the playground? Is it like kindergarten recess? Um, because somebody needs their binky. Um, you know, like this is not the level of discourse that the president should be having. They, you know, and, and there's a certain amount of hypocrisy to this. President Obama was one of the most articulate, well-spoken, well-educated, well-read presidents we have ever had. And we went from that to, you know, 
lunchtime at the schoolyard where well, nobody post- really knows what's going on and where the president thinks it's appropriate to potentially get us into a war by saying that his button, which, by the way, isn't an actual button, is bigger than the leader of another country's button when really he's clearly not talking about his nuclear button. And, you know, like this what is... What is he talking about? You know, we know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, the white electorate couldn't have another eight years of blackity-black-black stuff. Or so, the woman, um, the woman, you know, yeah, the woman who emails. touched the black. I couldn't do that. The woman who touched the emails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, well, hey, there's a few things that Donald Trump uh, brags about the most. One is the size of his hands and penis. Another thing is he calls himself very smart and um and uh, very rich. Right, and very rich. Those are the three things he you know continually what? um brags about. Michael Bloomberg, who you know, I don't particularly love. Uh, obviously there's been a lot of issues in New York City with him and policing, but you know, he he had a wise comment one day when he talked about him himself being a billionaire. He said when you're a billionaire, if you're actually a billionaire, you don't need to talk about it. Right. And that's true. When you have a large penis, you don't need to talk about it. When you have large hands, you don't need to talk <laughs> about it. When you are mentally stable, you don't need to tell people that you're mentally stable. You know, ask uh, Richard Nixon when you're uh, not a crook. You don't need to tell people that you are not a crook. When you have to say things like this, then you probably are a crook, mentally unstable, have a small penis. You know, the only thing that Donald Trump said in that whole thing that is true is that, you know, we do have a larger nuclear arsenal than North Korea. That is the only part of that statement that is inherently true. Yeah, but why taunt Jim, uh, Jim, Kong, um, Jim, Kim, I mean, Kim Jong Un, to actually use it and demonstrate his power. Here's the question I have um, for you, Stanley. Mm-hmm. So the president he makes a lot of weird and bizarre statements. Are we getting to a point where the president of the United States says so many things that his that it doesn't even matter anymore? Oh, we're not there yet. Oh, so oh, we've been there. Yeah, I'm I'm burnt off from all of this stuff. I just want to just like let's flip Congress and Senate. Let these white people get what they voted for. I don't know, man. <laughs> this, is, this is exhausting. I mean, if like, I get mad, I mean, at this point, I just look at his tweets as a reminder that he is trash and that, you know, we need to change politics here. But I try not to let them get me too worked up because he'll tweet something in the next five minutes. That's even worse. That's true. Well, that's, that's true. number one. And number two, they don't hold any water. Like, I'll give you an example, or at least not all the time. Like, he tweeted out no transgender people in the military. And then the military's like, eh, you know, we're not actually going to do that. Yeah. So, you know, it, like, doesn't hold any water either. And I- then it becomes sort of like the boy who cried wolf, where when there is an actual emergency, nobody's going to believe it because he's been crying wolf for so long. So, um... Um, a few minutes ago, uh, Donald Trump, I mean, uh, Stanley just talked about Donald Trump's supporters and the people that continue to vote for him. I wanted to switch gears a little bit to talk about the fact that Donald Trump is disbanding his controversial voter fraud commission amid infighting lawsuits, state and state officials refusing to cooperate. So on Twitter on uh, Thursday, he states that because people want to cooperate, um, that they're just going to disband it. They are no longer going to continue to fund this commission that was looking into the 2016 presidential election uh and you know because we know donald trump believes that there were millions of undocumented people voting for 
Hillary Clinton, and that's the re- reason why she won the popular vote and he won the electoral vote. Thoughts? I mean, listen, one, there's like no voter for fraud, in-person voter fraud. They've done studies on this over and over and over again and found that in-person voter fraud is like less than 10 percent, um, which means that the real reason that this was a, being done was to disenfranchise people of color, minorities, uh, people who vote for Democrats, liberals, etc. Um, and that is the way that these voter ID laws have been used from time and time and time again, which is to as voter suppression methods, not to protect the integrity of the vote. At the end of the day, this failed uh, largely because states refused to turn over the data on states' rights grounds, which is so crazy interesting because that's usually a very conservative position, which also speaks to the fact that Donald Trump is not a libertarian-type conservative. He's an authoritarian-type conservative. Stanley? Yeah, so they ended this commission, but now they're trying to go to the Department of Homeland Security to do this kind of stuff, which could potentially make it worse off for a lot of people. The Republican Party has consistently been trying to undermine the ability for black and brown people to vote because they know that when black and brown people vote, they lose, i.e. Alabama. So the only way they can undermine that vote without actually putting out poll taxes, which would A, be racist and B, still be within the means of possibility if we didn't have a couple of people in the Supreme Court with common sense, is to do these voter ID laws and claim that people are you know, illegally voting in other states, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I'm, this is a great victory. I want to be happy about this. But we got to be diligent and we got to make sure that we're paying attention because I'm not sure what the hell they're going to do with Department of Homeland Security. But once you bring DHS into this thing, it can get very, very different. In Indiana, a week before the election, Mike Pence had the SWAT team bust into a nonprofit's office, arrest everyone, and take all their voter registration forms and throw them in the garbage. So let's see. Um, so we have another comment on our Facebook live feed. Roland Michelle says it has come to the point to where I am desensitized to Trump's comments and action. Honestly, I'm not even shocked at what he says anymore. Roland, I think that we pretty much agree that it's we're we're all desensitized. Like it's become the norm and it's so abnormal that it's it's horrible that we're at this state. You know what I haven't heard from yet? Give us a call, guys. I want to hear from you, too. Two one two six five zero six nine zero three. Or tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. Leave us comments on Facebook Live. A lot of places you can get in touch with us. Absolutely. So we mentioned earlier in the show that Jackie Cohen is enjoying the weekend in California, which has just uh, legalized recreational marijuana. They passed this law in 2017, and the law went into effect January 1st, 2018. So that means people can smoke, I think, under an ounce, or they can be carried uh, carrying around an ounce of marijuana. They can smoke it for recreational purposes but not outdoors not outdoors okay so that happened we were all celebrating jack in the box has the new merry munchie meal for four dollars and 20 cents that they were going to roll out later this month um yeah mike tyson also decided to uh he opened up uh, he's opening up 40 acres of a marijuana resort in California. I know a lot of uh, marijuana dispensaries are making money. 40 acres in a bowl. All right, right like 40 it. acres in a bowl. Um, so, you know, people were celebrating on the West Coast, and a lot of investors were uh, getting involved in the green rush going on in California. So then, days later, the DOJ decides to send a shiver of uncertainty through the entire country. The DOJ, Department of Justice, has decided to rescind uh, President Obama's policies that basically prevented federal interference, um, inter, um, intervention 
into state laws allowing people to use pot for medicinal and recreational uses. So just to give you a little further breakdown, and here's where the quickie in the segment is going to come. The Obama administration issued what was called the Cole Memorandum, and the Cole Memorandum essentially said that if you were growing, distributing, or operating a marijuana business, and you were licensed under state law, and you were complying with all state laws, and that the marijuana was not going out of state somehow, that the federal government would not come after you. Um, Jeff Sessions has been a longtime enemy of marijuana. He, for some reason thinks that it's a very dangerous drug, which scientific studies have proved it is not. Um, And so he basically has now, as Selena said, rescinded that policy. Um, And the uncertainty creates a lot of problems because it's not just California, which is the biggest market. It's also Colorado, Seattle, Washington, Alaska, Nevada, uh, including a lot of Republican states. There was a huge amount of blowback from the Republican governor of Nevada on states' rights grounds to say that, you know, the state uh, should be able to do what they want without interference from the federal government. And this is the one issue that is bringing together a lot of liberals and conservatives um, because mm-hmm. of the fact that, you know, the state's rights conservatives are joining with the liberals that are like, you know, the federal government needs to stay out of this. Uh, there is a new law that is now pending called the Respect the State's Rights, basically, um, which would make it illegal for Jeff Sessions and the DOJ to go after uh, legal businesses in states where it's legal. But ultimately, the thing is the federal government has to go further. Congress has to take marijuana out of the Controlled Substances Act. It is currently scheduled as a Schedule One dangerous drug with no medicinal use. We all know that is not true. Well, Why would well, they do that if it can keep putting black people in jail? Well, because there's a lot of tax money to be made, and so, uh, you know, I don't know. There's a balance. I, you know, it's two separate sort of issues. But the federal government doesn't really use the marijuana law to put black people in jail the way you would. they use other laws to put black people in jail. Yeah, but, like, as long as this policy can keep on hurting black and brown people, like a lot of policies that don't make sense but they keep under the books, why would they change it? Well, I don't see any motivation the majority of people who would be hurt by this change would be white people. No, their businesses maybe, but black people are going to jail. I don't see any motivation for them. Well— Attorney General Jeff Sessions, he characterized the DOJ crackdown as a, and I quote, return to the rule of law. Um, So uh, basically, uh, Stanley, he's just saying, hey, we're going to go back to the way we did things before Obama came into office. And but I will say, you know, to Alyssa's point that both um, Republicans and Democrats have been speaking out uh, adamantly against uh, the DOJ stance. Even the Republican governor of Colorado came out and said, like, hey, I did not want marijuana to be legal in the state. But now that it is, we need to move forward and we need to be progressive about this plant. The governor, of course, he's going to say that in Colorado. But when you talk about Congress and Senate, they, ha- they, they condemn everything. They do nothing. Right. Uh, So we're getting a comment on Facebook Live from Catherine. Uh, She is in the state of Washington and she says we in the state of Washington will fight this tooth and nail. Um, And I don't think Washington is going to be the only state that fights this. Um, You know, California is like the biggest economy we have in this country. Um, They produce a ton of agriculture and it's not just marijuana. And so, you know, the state of California, like they've been fighting many other things with the Trump administration, like the sanctuary cities um, and many other policies is going to fight this. And they have a lot of money to back up this legal fight. All right, guys, we do have a call on the line I want to get to. Barry, let your voice be heard. Yes, you have. For one thing, I don't think that the danger is marijuana. I think it is what people do to get the next bag. And personally, I know what people may do, just like they do to get the next bottle, um, crimes and stuff. They'll do the same thing to get the next bag. And that's that's 
that's the problem with marijuana. Now, number two is I like to say as far as uh, the Trump bashing circus act, uh, it's like sexy to, 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 to dump on Trump, you know, but the real culprit behind it is Pence, like Stanley was saying. And once we get to really get our claws around the throats of, 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 of Willie Lynch, the PBA president, Willie Lynch, and, and this Pence guy that's going around the globe killing off leaders and people that speaks out against the injustice around the planet. These are the culprits that is strangleholding uh, our freedom to really to, to, to live as people and come together as global-minded people. And until we get the courage to really pull these people to the carpet and find out what Pence really have dirty under his fingernails, and, 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 and Willie Lynch, PBA president, these, these mean-spirited evil vultures, you know, that really have it out for people until we find the courage to really dig up what they're doing and planning and plotting. Then we, just all this stuff about dumping on Trump is just selling tabloids. Thank you so much for that comment, Barry. Um, I agree with a lot of it. Um, I still think it's important to, to talk about how bad Trump is and make sure you connect him to the Republican Party, which is a party that's supported by big business and white supremacists, and we should not forget that. And if you support that party and support their policies, you're supporting white supremacy. Um, but it's also important to mention that people like Mike Pence um, and I guess Pat Lynch of the New York Police um, Benevolent Association. Police Union, yeah. yeah, well, he's a racist too, but, you know, he's a, Allegedly. He's a, he's a blowhard <laughs> racist in New York City. Um, so we should get rid of him. But the police love that racist. So what can you do? Uh, just a quick comment about the marijuana thing. I mean, listen, I don't necessarily think that's marijuana. That could be anything. You know, you can get addicted to chocolate chip cookies and, you know, whatever you could do to get the chocolate chip cookies. What we have seen, at least, is in uh, states where it's become legal, um, it is uh, uh, we've seen drug abuse actually go down. And if you look at countries like Portugal, where they've made all drugs decriminalized, they have seen a huge drop off in the number of people that use drugs. Um, that is another show. Uh, so maybe we can have that conversation in the future about how to deal with drug addiction um, and also the legalization of marijuana. Um, but we do thank you so much for your comments, Barry. Absolutely, guys. So we're going to take another quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be talking about Dave Chappelle and the role of comedy and censorship right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Now that I listen to the future more often, I understand what he's saying. It's still a mumbling, but I, it's coherent now. Stop. Does that mean I speak mumble? You do speak mumble. At least you understand mumble rap. This is true. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill and, of course, Alyssa Fuchs, the lawyer that tells me not to say things that can get me sued. And sometimes I listen, but most times I don't. And then she yells at me when we do a debrief because I probably deserve it. We have been talking about the biggest news that happened in the first week of 2018, which includes Donald Trump making a nuclear threat loosely linked around a penis joke. And includes Donald Trump having a book come out called The Shade Room. Just kidding, it's called Fire and Fury. And it gives all of the hot, sweet tea going on in the Trump household, including the fact that Jared Kushner kisses his dad, kisses his dad on the lips to say hello and calls him daddy. He calls his dad daddy. Just like Little Wayne and Baby, and same thing. he's 33 thing. years old. Little Wayne does heavy it's, drugs. It's called That's the, White, the White House Daycare Center. Yes. So those are some fun facts about that book. Um, we also talked about a whole bunch of lawsuits happening, but you know what? We are here now to have some fun. Dave Chappelle put out, well, Netflix put out another Dave Chappelle comedy special. Another two specials, about an hour and 48 minutes of Dave Chappelle hilarity, or so we thought. So 
very much like the first specials that he put out last year in 2017, there has been some frustration around some of the jokes that Dave Chappelle has made, mainly around transgender people and issues, and then, of course, around comments he made around the Me Too movement. I will stick, so at the moment, on the Me Too movement because that is the freshest one. He made a comment about Louis C.K., who had been masturbating in front of women um, on the phone, in person, asking them to. It's really creepy. And one of the women said that he... Louis C.K.'s masturbating in front of her, opening me over the phone with her, made her feel like she couldn't make it in Hollywood. It wasn't a place for her. And he said, "Really, that's all it took." <laughs> and he pretty, and he pretty much said, "If that's the, if, that, if it's that simple, you don't need to be here." And a lot of people took that as Dave Chappelle really making fun of women and the Me Too movement and victim blaming because Chappelle went on to say, "Why didn't she just hang up the phone?" So that brings it to a point that I think is a great conversation for us right now because one of the things Dave Chappelle said in Nazca is like as comedians you gotta be able to say the uncomfortable crap that makes people angry it doesn't necessarily mean you're hateful I'm not sure if you guys heard the skit but I want to get your thoughts I haven't had a chance to um, watch the whole skit in its full entirety but I'm definitely a Dave Chappelle fan um, and, and I know that you know I actually read an excerpt where he said at one point I'm not here to be right you know, he's here to tell jokes. And a lot of that, a lot of these jokes, they highlight things like white supremacy and racism. And he does a really good job at that. Other times he highlights sexism, misogyny. But the thing is, I think here um, he's still talking about the issue. And it's something that I expect him to talk about. But I, I don't expect Dave Chappelle to be a politician, to be PC, to be an activist and an advocate. We have other leaders for that. I want Dave Chappelle to be funny. And honestly, even like as a woman, I still find that joke really funny i laughed on it i laughed about it just now and i feel like you, he has a comedic license what if he said made a joke about black women being lazy and ugly they i hear those type of jokes on that bet comedy show what is it called again bet comedy show <laughs> like know. the black women themselves talked about it like it's hard to get offended if you know it's comedy right i, I listen you know there there's a really fine line in comedy between um you know comedy and political correctness and censorship. Um, and, you know, it really, I think that line differs for everybody else. I don't want to get to, you know, as much as I am in touch with the fact that certain times we do need to be politically correct and that, you know, using somebody's incorrect pronouns can lead them into a situation where they want to kill themselves um, and it's not, you know, appropriate. We know that uh, transgender people kill themselves at a rate higher than anybody else in the country, especially uh, trans women of color. Um, that said, you know, there is a certain amount of stuff that's like appropriate and crosses the line and where that point is I think differs from person to person it's very very subjective um, and so you know, I don't know. I don't want to get into a situation where we just start censoring people, be, you know, especially when they're comedians, because we don't like some of the things they say or think they're problematic. Uh, so I think this goes back to a little piece of advice that I sort of got when I was like in Spain for a little while, which mm -hmm. is they show um, uncensored music videos um, in Spain in the middle of the day, like 11 o'clock in the morning. You could put on the TV and R. Kelly's uncensored ignition video will be on, on um, with like boobs out. And I asked somebody about it and I was like, like, you know, we have the FCC that censors people um, and like you can't have boobs on TV at 11 o'clock in the morning. And they said to me, if you don't like it, change the channel. 
If you don't want your kids to watch it, then be a good parent and make sure your kid doesn't put it on. And if your kid does put it on, you go and change the channel. And I think that's sort of like where it is with comedy, which is like if you don't like something that Dave Chappelle says or you think it's problematic, then fine. Boycott him. Start a movement against him. Don't give him your money. Just like, you know, I don't eat at Chick-fil-A. But like I don't think we should get in a position where we like have the government start censoring comedians because, you know, they're not being politically correct because that is like the antithesis of free speech and to me that is more problematic than some of the things that he said what about the impact that he seems to have on people when he makes these jokes because a lot of trans people have come out and said that they used to love his comedy they thought he was great but his words are hurtful Chappelle responded with when you laughed at all the other jokes and I was joking on people mm. when you took offense and I was laughing at you but like who's right there well Sally what do you think about that because that is a tough question you know, yeah, it is a tough question that I don't necessarily think I have the perfect answer for. Um, I like to believe that Dave Chappelle's a little bit smarter, and I give him a lot, a lot more carte blanche. Um, I think it's important like that, that people should be able to push the needle, especially comedians, writers, musicians. But the question is always, when, is, when are you pushing the needle, and when are you just being offensive and disgusting? That's a very, like, it's very hard to figure that out. Because feelings can be subjective and they differentiate between people, as Alyssa said earlier. So how do you know when like you're being just objectively bad and when you're just being funny and someone's being butthurt? Right. I, I mean, and that, it differs from person to person. It's and, hard to tell. And it, I mean, so, you mean, if you want to talk about offensive, that's the nature of comedy, at least for a lot of mainstream, very successful comedians. Uh, on that note, we are going to wrap things up here. Um, I want to get, you know, uh, your final thoughts and reactions. We talked about, you know, a lot of things that happened this first week in 2018. What do you predict or foresee the rest of the year looking like? And uh, what can we do to continue to resist in 30 seconds? Uh, I predict the rest of the year looks like me having a lot of cocktails. Uh, to get through it, because if the, if this week is indicative of how the rest of the year is going to go, somebody just get me a bottle of Tito's vodka uh, <laughs> so that I can start drinking it. Um, but as for, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, we do have elections coming up this year. It is 2018. Uh, there is a lot of ways that you can get involved, whether that is volunteering on the ground to do get out the vote, uh, knocking on doors, supporting candidates with money if you can afford to do so, uh, interacting with a, a non-for-profit group that is uh, engaged in the kind of work that is going to help get people elected or to resist the Trump administration in other ways. And I think that it's going to be more important than ever this year uh, to continue doing those things. Stanley? Oh, man. What am I going to do? What am I expecting? This is going to be a big year electorally. And that's really what I'm focused on. That's what I'm focused on work-wise. That's what I'm focused on personally. If you are tired of this nonsense, make sure you are donating money to people running for office, particularly Democrats or people in the Green Party or any progressive group running for Congress or Senate in 2018. Um, if you want to go knock on doors with me in New York State, maybe in District 19 against John Fassel to get him out of Congress, then come talk to me later on or, or tweet me at Be Heard, I mean, at Stan Fritz, because... This year is going to be the year that we take back this country. Absolutely, guys. And I'll just wrap things up by saying, yeah, I mean, 2018 is the year we've been looking forward to for a while now because this is the year of our midterm elections. I am expecting another grand blue wave to sweep through. I'm expecting our people to come out in droves and to tell Donald Trump that we're sick of his nonsense, his tweets and his antagonism towards North Korea, which is pretty scary. Um, so, yeah, guys. Get ready to vote, continue to march, continue to protest, continue to resist and our, on social media and petitions and our daily 
lives by staying educated, informed, and empowered. On that note, I also want to thank everyone for listening to Let Your Voice Be Heard, everyone who chimed in via Facebook. Uh, We appreciate the comments. We also appreciate the calls. If you guys want to listen to the show again or share it, you can definitely find us everywhere that podcasts are. That's iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, etc., etc. Look for Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. You can also check us out online at lyvbh.com. We appreciate you guys. Continue to resist, and we'll see you next Sunday right here on WHCR 90.3 FM.